Hello and welcome to Who Are You? This is a Babylon 5 Watchcast hosted by two former strangers, now friends, who've gotten to know each other while re-watching a favorite show from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafer. And I'm Laura. And today we have... It's me. It's me. I'm Ryan here from Yum Yum Podcast and I'm joined by my wife. It's Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. Welcome back, guys. We returned on your behalf. You said, "Hey, season four exists. Do you want to come in for it?" And I'm like, "Yeah. Can I get it? Can I also get another real late season entry for that too?" <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Do you want an early season five one? Because I'm gonna start asking about that soon. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> Only Byron episodes, please. <laughs> uh, in that case, you might be doing that one on your own, honey. But remember Byron. I do. I do. It's funny I, because I don't need. To be reminded, I remember. It is funny because on our show, Yum Yum Podcast, we are, as of this recording, making our way through the early stages of season five. So it's like, oh, you know, I'm living it right now, buddy. I'm living (laughs) the Lockley life, as we call it on the pod, the Lock life, (laughs) the Lock Ness, you know. And yeah, it's been, but it's great to be back here. I've been hungry to come back on and talk with you guys again and, you know. Just rip into some classic B5 action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this episode is packed with it. But first, we have to ask you a question. What do you want? You still haven't answered my question, Ambassador. What do you want? What do you mean, what do I want? What do you want? Do you really want to know what I want? Do you really want to know the truth? I want to really, really, really want to zig a zig. Does that answer your question? Yum yum, of course. But what about yum yum do you want? Just more of it. More authentic yum yum, which is just weird but good and fun and sexiness. Yeah, I, I like that in TV shows too. Like when you just have like a random, weird, crazy non sequitur thing. Like that Marcus is great for that in Babylon 5. Yeah. He will just casually tell you he's a virgin, and then you have to accept that, by the way. You have to accept (laughs) he's a virgin. Yeah, yeah, Jason Carter. Yeah, yeah, the virgin. Sure, Sure. I can believe it. And yeah, I also want the Yum Yum, of course. In fact, I want JMS in whatever future projects of Babylon 5 to have a character say Yum Yum, and then look at the camera, and then wink, just for me, personally. Mm. But one of the major things I, I want is Nagrath back. I miss him. Yeah. He went down, apparently, and I'm so upset about that. One of my favorite YouTube videos of all time is called R.I.P. Nagrath, in which it's a <laughs> 90-second shit post somebody made about Nagrath and how he's gone, and they mourn him, and there's tears, <laughs> and people just wailing in pain. And I think about that big bug, man. I know the prop got reused for Buffy, and it's like there was a, a She-Mantis or whatever the name of it is. Because Buffy's a really clever show, by the way. Real smart. And one of the interesting things is, I think it's like an episode or two from now, the actress in that episode of Buffy who plays like the human version of this bug monster shows up in B5. So it's like, hey, you have the only actor ever to play the humanized version of Nagrath. Isn't that fun? (laughs) I want Nagrath back too. That's my reboot wish list right there. Yeah, I hope that we didn't get a chance to talk about it earlier, but we were on the League of Non-Allied podcast recording earlier today, and I missed the end bit where presumably we talked about things we want from future animated movies, and Negrath is very high on my list there. Walker Smith, a close second. (laughs) Give me a TKO movie that's just, like, fighting. Just that, whatever that martial art was that's escaping me at the moment. Mutai yeah, thank Mutai. you. The Mutai. I want a Mutai movie animated. Give me that shit, JMS. But keep the shiver part in. <laughs> you can't remove <laughs> that part of it. Like, double down on it. But, like, you have to get John Cena as a voice, right? Yeah. You have to get wrestling person in. Yeah. Fighter. But I, my pick's John Cena over The Rock. The Rock's too busy. He already did Voyager. That's his sci fi you know, entry. His first real acting credit what a credit i would pick maybe one of the lesser known guys that's running like i think la knight could have a lot of fun with it but 
I don't expect most of our audience to be in tune with most professional wrestling. So that'll just be me over here. All right. Well, now that we know that you want, we can talk about season four, episode 17, The Face of the Enemy. Did I always do episode titles like that or did I just start it at some point? I, do you I remember? Think it's a today thing. It's a, to, it's a today thing. <laughs> <laughs> but you put a lot of stank on the one you recorded earlier today, too. I did, yeah. <laughs> we open on Ivanova giving us the diary entry this time in our trio of diary entry opens. We've gotten hers reads a little bit different than Sheridan's and Garibaldi's, though. Dear diary, we continue to fuck up those who disagree with us. Love, Susie. That's it. That's all she needs. Did anyone ever call her Susie in this show? No. It's what she calls herself when she's a child in my headcanon of these diary entries that I've been doing. Oh, nice. Uh, you, there's a John Sheridan one, too, where he's clearly a child. He calls himself Johnny S and stuff. Like, uh, I can imagine the ex-boyfriend calling her Susie. Yeah, the Australian yeah, boyfriend. Yeah, totally. Listen mm. here, Susie. Don't you want to hate those aliens like me (laughs) and wear ugly apparel? Yeah. Johnny, I mean, his sister who we never hear about again, Lizzie, used to call him Johnny. Remember Lizzie, who has never been referenced ever again in Babylon 5, including this episode in which it involves the safety of John's family. (laughs) Oh, you're so right. (laughs) Hello, I'm Anna's best friend and your sister. I'll see you again one day. I'm going to join the characters like Walker Smith and Duncan in the zone of we promise we'll be back one day but never return. (laughs) Fuck you, continuity. Bye. (laughs) Probably for the best, though. I mean, you could have kidnapped two people in this episode. We could I don't at least think name Garibaldi drop. has the capability of arranging the kidnapping of two people with unlimited money. Has he barely managed this one? Yeah, and it was just the medication that gave the lead. True, yeah. mm-hmm. true. It would be a bit weird if it's just like, I, and his sister also has that same medication so we can no. <laughs> track her down too. I think... Lizzie got away scot-free because the name Elizabeth Sheridan is so generic that the mm-hmm. sh- that the Clark regime didn't even know to look for her. That <laughs> there's so many Lizzie Sheridans out there. Ah, who cares? <laughs> just let her go. <laughs> She's just hiding in the cornfields at the farm. Right. <laughs> She's shopping with the mum. Yeah. <laughs> right. She's always fucking shopping. After this diary entry, we see Garibaldi and we get a little bit of recap on his mission for Edgar's. We brought into the inner circle. Papa Sheridan is in custody. They just need to lure John in now. He calls himself Judas Iscariot to theme because subtle imagery is the name of the game in this one. When you said to theme, you meant like to the theme song? Yeah. Uh I thought you were like. Saying he said he's like Judas Iscariot, you know, to the theme of the story that the Sheridan oh. is Jesus Christ and that well, also, he is though, betraying our Lord and yeah. Savior. Yeah. We're really riding the Christ metaphors really hard with Sheridan these days. Yeah. <laughs> Where does Zach Allen fit in the apostles? That's the real question. Hmm. Is he a Matthew? Is he a Thomas because he doubts a lot? He's like, oh, geez, I don't know yeah. about that. I like that. Yeah. He also doesn't get an official book, right? Thomas, no. he's got an no. apocrypha, I think. I don't know. I don't know the Catholic Bible very well, but... Zach doesn't know how to write, so he can't write a book. There you go. He's too busy ordering pizzas. <laughs> he would get Jakar to do his homework. That's true. Yeah. Jakar would write a good book. I mean, obviously. He, does, does, he did. Yeah. He yeah. did, does. I can buy I merge the two. He did, does. He did, does. We cut over to some more space battling. Sheridan is surprised at the lack of surrender until one of the opposing captains tells him that they are all dead anyways because the crews of all of his destroyers are just replaced by Mimbari. And then we get Captain Mackey jumping on the line to let Captain Leo Frank know that's all bullshit. I wish that just one morning in my whole life I wake up with the energy and gusto that Mackie gives us when he says, I'm alive here. He's genuinely excited to be alive. 
I wish I knew what that felt like. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if that actor could muster that when he wakes up on a daily basis. I feel like it's only a lie that you can tell other people. He is such a good actor yeah. too, that guy. We talked about him on our show, and he's just one of those great character actors. He's been in everything. Mm -hmm. He's in The Big Lebowski, for Christ's sake. He's one yeah, of the man. cops that's like, yeah, so so they took your car. Huh? He just doesn't give a shit in that movie. But uh, <laughs> this is upsetting to me because it's like, hey, look, it's Mackie. Hey, remember Mackie? We're following through on this. And it's like, hey, Mackie, can you sort this situation out? And he's like, yes, I will, Sheridan. And um, this is my time on the show, Don. Like, the first person they recruit is the ethics professor from the Earth Force Academy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understand the captain's hesitance here, thinking that they're all going to be replaced with Minbari, as he is on a Minbari ship with all Minbari. Yeah. He's got to acknowledge there's some optics here. That, hey, Marcus uh... is there. <laughs> Sheridan? <laughs> Sheridan, Yeah. Marcus is that Sheridan's not really smart, is the thing. Remember, no. Mr. Op yeah, he's really good at thinking about optics. Yeah, let's let ISN on the station and let them run loose with cameras and editing software. Yeah, yeah he's really smart. It, like they that. can't do any more harm. <laughs> <laughs> These fight with Earth Force ends, and as they surrender, the Agamemnon jumps in. Signing up after finally catching up with Sheridan. Yeah, this is a real tense moment. I couldn't remember if the Agamemnon was good or not. He's like, I'm going over there. And Marcus is like, that's dumb. You're what sure? are you doing? You're sure. See, and this is called setup because he's going to do one really dumb thing early. So that when yeah. he does a really dumb thing later, you could say, well, it's in line with what we've seen in the episode yeah, itself. That Sheridan is dumb. He his trust. Yes, mm -hmm. in the people who served under him in the past, because the chain of command and their friendship means more than anything else. Even though mm. he's tearing down the yep. chain of I command. Know, I know. Like, that's why he's there. <laughs> like, he's near Earth to destroy the chain of command, build it yeah. up again. Yep. But he's like, oh, no. I fun. did it right. I did it right. I trust myself, so I trust them. I trained them, damn it. My favorite part of this is how Bruce Boxleitner plays Sheridan like an eager young child who's got their birthday present and they it's the exact thing they wanted because he Sheridan is, you know, we've heard it from day one. He would rather be on a warship flying around doing yeah. stuff than sitting mm -hmm. behind a desk having to do paperwork. And so it's like, hey, it's my old ship. Yes. He means mm -hmm. still like my console. Yeah, it's mine. Mine. <laughs> Daddy Sheridan. Oh, yeah. Mine, mine. Yeah, he goes back to his mothership. True. After this, we cut over to Mars, where Stephen and Lita have arrived at Mars Resistance HQ. A number one gets upset at bringing a teep around hmm. when he introduces Lita. And then we see the cargo they brought are the modified shadow telepaths. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if she thought one was bad. Surprise. Yeah, but now it's just a storage issue. <laughs> Yeah, she she clearly is not impressed that Sher uh, that that Franklin brought a girl with him. She's like, "Hello, mm -hmm. you and me, we're meant to be," and yet you've yeah. got this sexy redhead with you. What's this about? And she's a telepath. Uh uh, not into this. It's just like three strikes and you're out, Franklin. Right. It's not even his fault. He's trying his best. <laughs> yeah, he's not gonna have as good a trip this time. I think. No honeymoon suite for him this time. Mm. Sheridan catches up with the Agamemnon's crew, noting that between his press release about Santiago's death being an assassination and the orders to attack civvies, it was pretty easy to see who was lying. Marcus mm. calls to let Sheridan know he's got Garibaldi on FaceTime and he transfers the call. Garibaldi yeah. tells him about his dad's capture. They have to move quick. He's got to come alone. Make your decision right now. Things are going. Sheridan operates under trust, but verify, which is honestly just half trusting, but agrees to the terms. And the whole audience is like, I know it was you, Fredo. Garibaldi could not look more 
shifty if he tried. He's in Why? darkness. He's sweating. He's like rubbing his hands. He's looking out side to side, like oh, yeah, you got to trust me, John. And it's very shaky. clearly rehearsed. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. As well, like he looks uncomfortable, but he has this look in his eyes, like that. What I figured out the wording. What was the next? Yeah, this is the phrase that I want to use. <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is what I love about Garibaldi as a character, though. He is the man who prepares or like tries to prepare as many outcomes to a conversation as possible. So he, he is rehearses like, it. He rehearses, rehearses these things. If not out loud. And uh, his type of attitudes in life come to bite him in the ass, very much so, as we learn in this episode. Yeah. Ivanova tells Sheridan that this is stupid. And that he's making a stupid decision. Mm, yeah. As a lot of Sheridan decisions are. Doesn't he know she's God? No. He's the one that doesn't. Ivanova <laughs> <laughs> is going to come and take over the fleet and lead it. So that way it's a human leading the forces when they eventually get to Earth. In case something happens to him. Which it obviously will. The Agamemnon, being the most recent addition to the Resistance fleet, takes Sheridan to the meetup since they've still got, like, good clearance codes and stuff. No one knows that they're, they've gone out on the lamb yet. Okay. Although, honestly, if I'm Clark and I haven't installed an entirely different crew on that ship, which would be, like, thing number four on my list when this rebellion right. starts to go down. But he's a bad dictator. Like... Well, Edgar's does point this out. Like, yes. he is not good at being a dictator. Yeah, and Morden's gone. Morden was running some of that show, right? For sure. Mm-hmm. Back on Mars, Lita is trying to be a polite third wheel and excuse herself, but number one is just too pissed off about any psychor bullshit. Uh, Lita fills Franklin in on some of the deep scans from the deep state. And he thought he had some rights against this and is shocked to learn that he doesn't. We get Lita recounting the story of her interning with the Psycops, including solving the murder with Bester, which we read. That was in our book club episode. So That's what I thought. Dear listener, go ahead and check out our book club episode on Psychor Book 2, Dead Re-Relations, Bester Ascendant. And you can hear all about this there. Have you all read any of the books? I've read the Marcus Ivanova short story. Oh. (laughs) I'm so sorry. It was a choice that I made. Wrong choice. (laughs) I wanted to ignore what everybody said. I wanted them to be wrong, so I had to read it for myself. Uh How'd that work out? (laughs) Not great. <laughs> James, uh, James says it's canon, so sorry. Yeah. Okay, can't counteract him on this one. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you. But... You read the comics, right? Yeah, I read a couple of the comics, and I read one of the Londo books. Yeah, one of the Centauri yeah. ones, and you said it was too bad to keep reading. Yeah, it was a <laughs> DNS for me. Yeah, I have read the one written by JMS's wife, the one about Sinclair on Minbar, to dream in the City of Sorrows. The other canon book. Yeah, and you know what I love about that book, because in part of that one is it's like, what happened to Catherine Sakai, everyone's favorite character, you know, Catherine Sakai? Mm -hmm. You know, Catherine, who's also the name of JMS's wife at that time, Catherine, it's a story about how she will try to rip through even time and space to get back with her man who has dedicated himself to a cause bigger than their romance. And I'm like, hints, Joe? Joe, you picking up hints there? No, I, I read his autobiography and he's like, no, no, we, we ended on a pretty mutual note. I'm like, ah, Joe, she wrote a whole fucking book in your universe about this, I feel. <laughs> She's feeling a lot of things. Uh, orders come in from Babylon 5, letting them know that Ivanova is taking over the resistance fleet right as Delenn arrives on the station to take control of Babylon 5. Hey, she's back. Yep. She's taken control of Babylon 5 before, right? She, she there was that, I always find it funny when now, like, them breaking away from Earth, 
when some of our main command characters aren't there, who they'll assign to be in charge of Babylon 5. It's like, hey, Zach, you have to take orders from Minbari Ambassador Delen, by the way. <laughs> what? Delen makes sense to me because Babylon 5 is functionally a ranger's station. Yeah, mm-hmm. at this point. And Delenn does lead the rangers. So it I get it that way, but that's the only way that works mentally for me. Every other excuse, every other possible scenario is just like, what is going on right now? Where's Corwin? He's only a lieutenant. Uh, But once again, we got optics <laughs> problems, guys. She's just keeping an eye on things. She doesn't, like, Ivanova doesn't say, you're in charge. It's just like, help keep everything going. But we assume that, like, Corwin's going to be left in charge of CNC. I guess. Yeah. Where's Lou? Because he usually is. Where's Lou when you need him? Corwin's not ready. (laughs) (laughs) John meets Michael at a space dive bar on Mars which actually the decor of reminded me a lot of Space Dive here in Detroit, which I talked about on pod before. It was like Uh one of the outside bars there, which was fun little nostalgia for me. Garibaldi puts some kind of skin patch sedative on Sheridan's hand, and he just gets way too high. Like that time I accidentally took too many edibles and watched the live-action Cats. Everything oh, just yeah. seems so far away, and it's really hard to get anywhere. I remember you telling me about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's a slapper. That, they yeah, introduced that... these in season one. Yeah. Garibaldi was like, hey, you're not allowed to have slappers. And then he smacked it out of some alien gangster's hand. And he's like, you're not allowed to do this. You're not supposed to steal these from like the sick bay. And it's like, hey, remember slappers from season one? Wow. I again. did not. Well, more so than that. This is a direct mirror of the attack on Kosh in the Gathering. Mm-hmm. This is someone who is under the guise of a friend who is not that person. And then they uh, put a slapper on your hand, bitch. <laughs> uh, using a dermological well, contact-based poison to take you off the board, which you eventually survive. Like It is exactly the attack on Kosh in so many angles. That I just I really appreciated that. Mm. Really go with what works, right? Yeah, yeah. With this sequence, it is a big standout because of a few factors that we don't often get in this show: the taking down of Sheridan. One, there's some music playing in this dive bar. There's like this sexy, weird kind of slow Mm -hmm. song happening Mm -hmm. in the background. I don't even think we see the person singing it, really. It's just happening. So the atmosphere is already set from that. And then it's a darkly lit bar and they slow down the frame rate. The lighting goes into all of these different directions. They've got the stills as well. Yeah, they're inserting like photo stills. Like they took photographs Mm -hmm. of Sheridan getting his ass kicked and just shoved them in there at random points. It's, yeah, strobe light effect is going Mm -hmm. on. And this is one of the things I really have really come to appreciate about Babylon 5 on our current watch through. And it makes me think of some of the sci-fi contemporaries like Star Trek, which is, even in its final days, like in its you know fourth season to fifth season, they keep coming up with creative visuals to present to us to give us what we understand to be a scene that you would see before, but they just amplify its weight. So yeah, you know this is an example of that where Michael Vehar just said like, hey. I want to do all of these crazy things for this scene where we just beat the shit out of Sheridan and capture him. Well, in season one, you would not have had this exist at all in the way it's presented. And I love that B5 keeps finding new things to do right up to the last moment because most shows like your Star Trek, it's like they get comfortable and then maybe a special episode will happen and then they'll do something visually creative. But... Babylon 5 always keeps like shoving something in an episode or something in every few episodes that just makes it memorable. Like I always remember this particular episode for this sequence and later on when Bester enters the picture and we talk yeah. to him because of 
purely just how it's presented on the screen. It's like that's burned into my brain. The lighting in that scene. We'll talk to about that when we get there. But I do, since we're talking about the stills, I have to mention, Ryan, you know who took those photos? Who? The same person who did all of the promotional photography stills for the series, which means the person who took the photos for your morphing menus also took these stills (laughs) in the show. Yes. Yes, that's where the art comes from. So strike against this episode because there was no morphing effect from the stills <laughs> to one another. So You could have done that at the strike. end with Garibaldi and Bester, and it could have been really striking. Oh, yeah. Animorphs, the two of them. Yeah, There are a lot of close-ups of faces, too, in this episode mm-hmm. that are just really delicious for face of the enemy. Yeah, there's a lot in this scene, too. A guy gets Marty Jannetty through a window, which yeah. I really appreciated. Right through the glass window of the barber shop! Ivanova arrives just as a broadcast from ISN comes in, with cuts of Sheridan getting beaten up over the lines about how well he's being treated. Of course. That's great. That's classic B5. That is your classic inter-cutting uh, yeah. between stuff, the dramatic irony. and They love it. I love her. I love that ISN anchor. She's such a piece of work. And I think, I haven't confirmed it, but I think she was a real like news person because I've seen her resume of work and she always plays news anchors, which is often what happens when you get like real life news anchors to do hmm. bits in movies. I haven't okay. confirmed it, but like if you look at her stuff, she's always playing news anchors. And so I assume that's the case because there's been other times in Babylon 5 where they've done that. Like there was one... In a previous episode where the news anchor woman on ISN was a different one from this woman, and she in real life got in trouble a little while ago for having a romantic and sexual affair with um, Jeff Bezos. And no. she's like a Fox News person. It's like, hey, she's in B5 too. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> Fun fact, her and Scott Adams are in Babylon 5. Oh, yeah, we just had that one. Delenn wakes up in a cold sweat over this as well. As we cut over to Garibaldi at Edgar's mansion on Mars, Clark sends Garibaldi his thanks and compliments, and Garibaldi just wants the truth. You can't handle the truth! Edgar's complies, as he and Morrissey reveal the whole plot. Uh, The problem long-term is telepaths. Edgar explains all the secrecy, as if the telepaths knew what he was planning, he'd be dead in five minutes. I was really disappointed when I timestamped this at 25.54, and hmm. the when I checked the clock again later when it was appropriate to do so, it had been 33 minutes. No. Uh, it was so close to being an accurate statement. I love it when shows will do stuff like that in the editing where it's like, oh, I'll be dead in five minutes, and then five minutes later of runtime, they're dead. That oh, is yeah, just be... chef's kiss for me. I love when that stuff kind of happens. One of my favorite tricks is, ah, so what are you going to do, shoot me? And then they get shot. That's one of my favorites as well. <laughs> this is this is a great little scene here because I know for myself, and Rachel, we discussed this on mm-hmm. our show, Garibaldi's arc has always been like a tricky one yeah. to revisit because it's like once you know what everything is about, it can feel a little bit slow and plotting because it's like, okay, it's all tension. But mm-hmm. I actually really appreciated Edgar's on Watch Through more. And so getting to see him here talk about why he hates the telepaths, mm. like what the problem is and what his solution is. Not only was it just like, oh, it's a great reveal, but it feels like the ultimate culmination of a lot of the stances and viewpoints we've seen from multiple factions within mm-hmm. this series. Like, he starts talking about stuff in the way the shadows talk about things with like, you know, genetic purity and like this hierarchy mm-hmm. here and like dominance. But he also has a very Volon like solution to it. It's like, well, here's the clinical way of doing it here. But he also has like all of these, you know, anti-telepath things that we've seen even Garibaldi from The Gathering express about things. And so it's great to obviously when you're first time viewing it get the answers to, oh, what the hell is this corporate tycoon all about? But as someone coming back to it, I like it from a like a, an ideological and thematic standpoint of how it just is just adding more and more to the nuances and complexity of the bigotry that lives in this universe. Mm-hmm. Because Babylon 5 deals with bigotry and fascism and 
whole multitude of things like that, but there's a series of different notes it plays with that rather than just... It's a melody rather than being one note. It doesn't mm-hmm. suffer from that Star Wars thing where it's like, you know, Nazis, yeah. bad. You got it. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. speaking of, you know, he does drop an incredibly unsubtle reference to the Holocaust by saying the telepath problem will be solved. Just in case you had any reservations if whether or not Edgar's was evil after you find out he's just a corrupt pharmaceuticals billionaire who is literally a controlling stakeholder and an oligarchy hiding behind the facade of democracy. Like, if that wasn't enough for you, but now you get the credit. genocide in, too. G- give him credit. He himself had to stop for a moment because even he recognized yeah. that he was sounding he's like, like oh, a Nazi. Yeah. He's like, the telepath. Oh, damn it. Pro- yeah, the telepath. Pro- oh, and then uh, he decided, oh. yeah, the telepath yeah. problem. Yeah, I'm just going to go with it. You're in too deep to back out now, Garibaldi. Mm-hmm. Mm, I think I read somewhere that the actor himself, that was like him pausing because he had a moment of like, wow, this is kind of fucked up because I think he was a Jewish actor. And so yes. I think he was like, oh, like there was just a moment where he caught himself and then it just proceeds to go forward and it, it makes a scene work because yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great to sum up Edgar's like how you did, but they still have managed to find a way of making him a person because like he believes this. Yeah. yeah. And there's yeah. still humanity, even though his ideology is inhumane. Yes. And there's a, like with a lot of these fucking evil ideologies that Babylon 5 has, there's a certain rationale and reasoning behind it, but it still removes the morality from it all because he wants to make the telepaths into a slave race. Not only does he fear mm-hmm. them as a capitalist, he wants to profit off of them. He's like, mm-hmm. you pay me for the cure. You work for me. You're indentured. Unlike the telepaths of now, right, Lita, who you're not even allowed to have your own quarters because you don't pay us enough. Lita, who saved us from a war an episode or two before? Fuck you, Lita. You're one of ours. You're one of ours. Like, I think about that a lot. Like, in this episode, we even had that scene a moment ago where Lita's like, yeah, so the cycle made me do horrible things that I regret, and now I'm doing this, in which I'm doing it for you guys, a bunch of horrible things that I will deeply regret, because I have no choice, which is something interesting, too, because Bester brings that up as well. Like, us telepaths, we're caught in the middle. I don't think Bester ever has felt caught in the middle, but yes, as a uh, subspecies, I think race might actually be the proper term there. Race is something that gets Mm. misused a lot when talking about people. Most people use race when they actually mean ethnicity, but race might actually be applicable here. Yeah, they talk about this is homo superior versus homo sapien. That would be incorrect, though. Because that would be a different species. And well, what defines okay. a species in biological taxonomy is the ability to breed together. So ah. if telepaths could not have children with non-telepaths, that would work. You'd get a new species name like Homo superior instead of Homo sapien. I did research. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bester still thinks of himself as Homo superior. For sure. Great title. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Magneto rocked that shit for decades, so. Oh, yeah, of course he did. And I, yeah, the magnitude of their plan is really great, too, because he has made the virus, but he's also, Edgar's, but he's also made the cure, and it's mm-hmm. this nice little, hey, Garibaldi, do you remember that one really boring episode where you had to save this from <laughs> some angry telepaths? Well, now it matters, so... Here you go. That's a nice little beat yeah. of continuity. And I also like that he turns to Garibaldi and says, you don't have a problem with this, do you? And Jerry Doll absolutely nails the delivery of this of, no, I don't, actually. I think everything you say is completely correct and moral and right. And it's like, yeah. And we know Garibaldi's kind of amplified, but I'm like, but Garibaldi does think like that. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Is Garibaldi sucks. He's an yeah. awful person. And everything that he does in this episode is because he sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Bester says, I just amplified you. I just changed you to be more you. Yeah. (laughs) That's all it took, which we get in a moment here. Garibaldi has to stay in the compound for his own safety now. Elise overhears all this. Garibaldi pulls out a tooth. It's got a tracker in it. Garibaldi sneaks out, gets on a train, waits, and he is just catatonic 
Reese comes on board. He tells her to go home. And then Best is on the train and it starts to move. Lise, everyone. Can we give it up for Lise? What a great character she is. Such a nuanced female character. She says, hey, look, do I agree with my evil husband? Yeah, he has some points, of course, but I think he's taking it a little too far, a little too scary, and I'm just a girl. What do I do? Help me, Garibaldi, my strong man. And then he says, go home. And so she, I guess, I don't know, goes to the mall? I don't know where she goes. It's like, I can't make a decision on my own. No. Yeah. Yeah, I have to cling to someone else. Yes, mm-hmm. I have to. She runs off to France. <laughs> That's her home. Yeah. I just, she's like, look, a we have a real thing on our show. Like, every time Lise shows up, we sarcastically clap and be like, hey, everyone, we love Lise because I think she's one of the most, like, two dimensional characters in this mm. series. And she's supposed to be important. And I think every now and then they'll give her one thing that's like deep. But then you get this episode where it's like Scooby-Doo, where she's literally around the corner with her hands around her cheeks, listening to them discuss evil shit. And she's like, oh, no. And it's like, she's right there, guys. Come on. (laughs) And then she gets on the train and she's like, Garibaldi, you're my former lover and partner. You'll save me from the evil that I heard you openly say you support. (laughs) What an idiot. (laughs) Like, why did she go to him? He just stood there (sighs) agreeing with Nazis. Like, come on. (laughs) Sounds like Garibaldi to me. (sighs) So, Bester deep scans Garibaldi and basically gets caught up on the last little bit of everything from him and the lighting we get in this scene. Like, well, one Ryan, when I message you and I'm like, Hey, back half season five, pick an episode. You sent me a screen cap of this lighting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> back half of season four. What do you want, Ryan? Here's a picture of Bester's little beady eyes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for my own amusement, on the app we used to discuss this, I changed the profile pic of whatever my account is to his beady little mouth and eyes. It's just <laughs> the lighting makes Walter Koenig come across as even more of a like creep I'm because hinged. he plays this scene so like malevolent oh. and cold and calculating as usual. But since we're zooming in on his lips and his eyes, there's just something so gross about Bester during all of this. Like he is delightfully intimate. And, yes. And he's just delivering on the sleeves of it all. Like he is getting off mm-hmm. on telling Garibaldi how he has ruined his life profoundly like, and that you and, lose. And you're going to stay in the ditch that I left you in. Yes, but I'm a nice guy. I have mercy, of course, so I'll make it so that you're aware of how yeah, evil you've been. It's huh? definitely not because I want to see you suffer more. <laughs> yeah. This is a you massive bigot? loose end. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, I mean, it is the loose end that I imagine in our Psychor book three, when we get to it, will be tied up. Well, he has countermeasures. He has his Asimov principle. Yeah. Mm. But the lighting in this, to me, the thing I think of when I see lighting like this more than anything else is actually Star Trek, the original series. They would do lighting and shots like this all the time. And so to see Walter Koenig being someone from that show in lighting like this as well, there's like a whole other layer of like, this is how things were, you know, going on to what he's saying. That's just like this unspoken, just felt evil type of nostalgia that I don't have words for that just makes this whole thing so much more impactful to me. It feels like The Prisoner as well, which is obviously a big touchstone point for this series. And uh, that would have a lot of these visuals. Yeah. But uh, are you guys a fan of the big reveal, which is Bester captured Garibaldi and for his big chess move play, it's like, hey, the shadows wanted to manipulate you, but then I got you instead. And so I'm manipulating you because I know that there's some kind of conspiracy against my telepaths. And so my plan is I'm just going to amplify every attribute that makes you but up to 11, 
and isolate you from everyone you know, and then in the hopes of you now joining Edgar's and then snafuing his entire conspiracy. Are you guys a fan of it? Yes. Definitively, yes. I think that Bester is the type to not put all of his eggs in one basket. And so I don't think that he was expecting Garibaldi to get Edgar's at all. Even he says, it's like, when you resigned your commission, that was unexpected. You know, he knew he would get something valuable eventually, and that was enough for him to ruin Garibaldi's life. Yeah, I find this hard to understand. When I watched it the first time, I did not understand the whole plot with Garibaldi. It did not make sense to me. It was so convoluted, I didn't get it. I wonder now, though, too, if he also manipulated things in a way to get Lise closer to Edgar's. Because that's the linchpin to get Garibaldi close to Edgar's, is that Lise is there. Mm. So is there some other kind of, or is that just another lucky, happy coincidence? Yeah, that's the thing. There are a few... Even in this scene where he explains everything, you get the flashbacks, you get some scenes you never saw before. Hey, look, it's Harlan Ellison as a psychop. Yes. Hi, Harlan, <laughs> how are you doing? You seem like a happy man who thinks that all writers deserve to get fucking paid, damn it, for everything they do. And I agree with you. They do deserve to pay you for any piece of media they put on the Babylon 5 DVDs. But there's this moment where it's like, yeah, and you quit your job. I didn't expect that. And it's like, oh, okay. And then later he's like, uh, and, you know, we'll give you little messages to nudge you where we wanted you to. And then they show the psychedelic message that happened right mm-hmm. before he quit his job, which we inferred as, oh, they, they pro- like, they've they given him a little thing to make him quit his job. But then in this, it's like, mm-hmm. you didn't, I didn't expect that. But then also visually they're showing us, hey, remember that one time we really saw them nudge him? Right. Well, I guess it was coincidentally not related to him then quitting his job. I don't know. It's just one of those. It's like, it's a nice piece of editing and all of that. If you don't remember, like the psychedelic yeah. message when it played, but I do. And I'm like, but okay. So, so if you didn't expect him to do that, then what were you expecting when you nudged him? I guess. I don't know. I like it though, because it says that the show is aware of how awful of a person Garibaldi can be. Because he has been framed as like, but he's on our side and he's a good guy, but Mm -hmm. he's been an awful cop. Like he's a bad cop. He's said so many horrible things. Literally when in season two, he was contemplating whether or not to take the job back. The only reason he took the job back was because he is an extremely paranoid man and that worked. And he said, well, I should do this job because no one else can do it because there's no one as paranoid as me. And it's like, oh, that's right. There is no one else like that. <laughs> and so Bester agrees and just used all of that against him. And the difference is in season four, he doesn't have any real of any of those real likable qualities to him that uh-huh. excuses him from the awful man he's been throughout most of the show. He doesn't yeah. have the ability of restraints. So any of the noble character qualities we've come to appreciate of Garibaldi were stripped away because these ones have taken over so much. And I think that is brilliant. I love that. But I'm very much like Laura. When I first heard this, I was like, wait, how does this work? Okay, so let me get a flow chart out and try and figure <laughs> this out because it's, this is the whole what fourth act is just best at talking. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of talking. A lot <laughs> of lips. True. A lot of big, well-lit lips. Okay, where are we at? We're leaving the train. Garibaldi, like, freaks out. Yes. When he starts to realize everything that's happened to him. Yeah, he screams as he comes to. And then we move over to the White Star. With Ivanova tells Corwin that Garibaldi's FaceTime requests are to be ignored. To shoot him Mm -hmm. on sight if he rolls into space TSA. Fair. Ivanova quotes Sinclair here, not Sheridan. JMS admits to faults in the Lurker's yeah. Guide. He's like, yeah. look, does he? If it was, yeah. if everything was perfect, perfect, it would be boring, wouldn't it? That's what he like, said. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> Come on, give Come me on. a break. One of my favorite moments of acting from Jason Carter happens in this scene, which yeah. is him saying, "Susan." He says it so naturally, like also on Susan's side. Like, of course you would want to shoot Garibaldi. He betrayed you. He's he's an absolute monster. But Marcus obviously is a little bit 
more caring about people and cares about Susan having taken such a drastic approach to things. But just the way Jason yeah. Carter delivers that line of just Susan, I'm also like, oh yeah, Susan, you can't be that. You also cold. You feel his love for her in the mm. way that he says it. Oh yes, yes indeed. Over at the Edgar's compound, we see it trashed. Garibaldi holds Morrissey as he passes, uh, finds the virus and antiviral are gone, and he starts looking for Lise. He loves Lise. He does love Lise. He does. Why? Tell me why. <laughs> why does he love Lise? Because she's the only person who actually pays any attention to him. Does because, she? <laughs> because it's clear to him that he can fuck up as much as he wants with her and she'll right. still take him back. Because okay. he's an yeah, abusive that, asshole. That if we're being all. real okay, about next, it. Next question. Yes. Why why does she love him? <laughs> that I can't answer. Low self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> we could go into fucking backstory about the graph. More that we could say, why does Lise love him and why does Clearly he love Lise? Clearly she has awful taste in men because we have Garibaldi. Mm-hmm. We have Fran and Edgar's. Yeah. Like all objectively trashy human beings. Yeah, yeah. I just like I've always had a struggle with the fact that she's with Edgar's. It's it does seem a little neat and it's like, oh I, I get yeah, at least what's her deal? I'll never she's like land a billionaire. That's yeah, she's we'll never know. That's the thing. We'll never know what Lisa's You deal can't is. get your kid back. She can't get her kid back either, you know? She's on the run now because the boys are after her. I just I don't know. I want to know. I want to see that scene where she's like, okay, where do I run off to? Because I'm like, with what I've gathered, yeah. Lise wouldn't think of a clever place to go. So. No, well, and Morris well, is just domes. Yeah. yeah. We know where she ends up. But no, I actually don't. So in this episode, it's like the ISN is saying like, hey, by the way, everything's fine. Everything's great. By the way, Lise is missing. But hey, that's fine. Uh, yeah. And she looks at me, the audience, out. and says, you care about Lise, right? No, but we see her with the gangsters in a future episode, remember? I don't have a clue what Lisa's ideals are. So when she comes yeah. in this episode and she's like, oh no, I agree with my Nazi husband, but also I think it's a little extreme. It's like, who are you, Lisa? Right. You ask, who are you? That's the biggest question. Who are you, Lisa? <laughs> and what do you want? ISN's reports end with Garibaldi is to thank for Sheridan's capture. They use the season three theme headshot for his photo here. Do you think that means that those headshots in the theme are like, those are real universe in universe photos now? Yeah. That has implications. I'm curious about like, is this a yearbook photo they took? Is that where they got the ambassadors lined up to station ID? Maybe. Yeah. When you take station ID, you know what you do? Some of you turn to look at the camera and some of you don't. That's what always (laughs) bugged me about season three openers. Some of them turn and then some of them don't. And it really bugs me to this day. It's like, why? And also some of them emote and some of them don't. It's like, Delenn gives a little nod. Londo's like, yes, I'm, a, I'm an asshole. And Jakar looks like he's just finished crying. And then Garibaldi's like, yeah, it's me, Garibaldi. What do you want? <laughs> and then you have Zach. He's like, I'm also in this show. It's like, Thanks, Zach. Question for the group. Has anyone ever done anything fun with an app photo ID? Have you gotten away with anything? I had a college ID where I was side profile giving a thumbs up. That took about 20 like minutes that. to get get through but i managed that's beautiful i've never <laughs> no, really had to no. no i've never gone that extreme um, i haven't thought about it honestly i'm i'm lucky that i'm not one of those people who blink when they get their photo taken oh that's me all the time <laughs> everything is blinks all, everywhere <laughs> well that's the episode how do we feel about this one Rachel and Ryan, we'll toss it to you on our scale of Babylon's one to five. Where do you rate this episode? Well, Rachel's pointing to me because she's going to try and I, I'm going to declare it is yum yum, which That's is our rating. Our, our rating scale okay. of yum being bad and yum yum being good. It's definitely okay. a yum yum, but I haven't settled on the number of stations yeah uh, yeah this is very gonna, you can do whatever you want like i'm going I'm, no i'm playing i'm on your turf i play by your rules okay i 
want to give this a five because I love the direction of it. Michael Vejar really goes out of his way with this. I think the acting is great. This is some of the best of material. You just hand off. You can trust Walter Koenig to deliver that massive monologue and make it seem so playful and just energetic. But, and I know this all makes sense for the show, but I'm like, God damn it, Sheridan's stupid. Like I can't, like a part of me is like, I know he is that dumb. I know it's like been built into the show that he would do these things because he loves his dad so much. It's not unfounded, but a part of me is like a Vonovo. I'm like, no, John, don't do this. But you have to because of plot. So I'm just going to land on a solid four out of five with this because there are a few moments where I have to suspend my disbelief of some of the choices these people make. And again, I understand that a lot of them are founded in what we've done before, but also, like, even then, I'm like, sometimes John's naivete can be a little too much for me to take. And I love him. It's just like, give the... Boy Scout vibes without the decision-making of a Boy Scout. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I end up at a four as well to play by the rules. I never do. (laughs) I wanted to be like, it's four Babylon stations and an Epsilon five. There's five Epsilons now. It's Epsilon three, but there's... Too many drawls down there. It's nothing no, but drawls no, all the way down. Oh <laughs> my god, JMS, write write f- that book, JMS. It's nothing but drawls all the way down. So then we can actually I have drawl masses. It's four point five. Oh, I see. Yeah, that works. Very clever. Four point five. Yeah, is, I've given four point five. I've definitely used the point five. I think I had one person say something to me once. It's like, hey, you said you were gonna do this, and I'm all like. Fractions. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you sometimes you need a little more nuance than just five like ratings yeah. can give you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think this is above average. That's kind of where I start. Is like okay, three is average, right? Because it's right in the middle, and this is above average. So for me, I feel like I've given out a lot of fours lately. Is that true, Jafar? I don't keep track. I have it's given season out a lot of four. Fun. Yeah, it's season four. I think it's that's a pretty easy yes. <laughs> You're yeah, thinking it's four for four. It's it's an above average season, I think. So this all tracks, all the math checks out, but I agree. Five. Straight up. Ooh. I have no apprehension, no qualm, no qualms. in saying this is a five out of five. Sheridan's a dumbass, sure. Sheridan's always a dumbass. Like, I know. Yeah. It, the mistake of this episode is not listening to Ivanova, and he gets punished for that, as he should. So, yes. lots of people make that mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. If I could do this somehow, this would be the episode I would use to prove to people who are naysayers that this is a good television show. I can't use this episode because it is good enough to hook someone, but it also ruins that entire higher story yeah. arc with Garibaldi and so it'd be a yeah, real sh- sure. it'd be a real shitty thing to do as like a friend to to get someone yeah. to watch this show but like no trust me you have to watch this show watch this episode if you don't like this then just give up on it but this is definitive proof that Babylon 5 is excellent television in 30 minute form and it's such a long form show that we don't get a lot of that This stands right up there with me with Babylon Squared, War Without End. Like, this is just a fucking absolute fantastic episode. Loved it. Glad to hear it. Do you have an episode that matches what you were, want? like, that you wish that you could do with this one for people? Like, just a show, an episode to watch to show people this is a great show that isn't a terrible introduction? Yeah. Maybe Babylon Squared. That's early enough and introduces a lot of mystery without resolving anything. I would be apprehensive to do anything outside of season one, because if you see Delenn for five seconds, that's going to just ruin everything. Um, I would feel like with that regard, maybe depending on the friend, maybe a late delivery from Avalon might be a good one for a handful of people. I remember the one for me before I got the first season on DVD, we had 
then recorded off the TV. And the one I saw that was like, oh, this is a cool show. Like I'd seen one or two other episodes, but the one I saw that was like, oh, this is cool, was Comes the Inquisitor. I'm like, oh, yeah, Mm. crazy torture episode with Jack the Ripper. I'm on board. Fuck yeah. Um, and we know what you're about. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, give me torture episodes. They're fun. Oh, we'll have one soon again. But I, um, yeah, I, it's always hard, right? Because, yeah, you want to go outside of it. But then there's a part of me that's like, man, and the rock cried out in a hiding place just slaps. It does. That's such a good fucking episode, too. Such a good episode. I love it. It's so hard to pick something in the show because everything builds on itself. Yeah. Which is why I think this episode is good for that, because we get so much flashback to those things that you could probably sit down mostly unawares and feel like you're, at the very least, have some semblance of what's going on. Once again, it's all payoff, so it's a terrible episode to introduce a show to someone to. Right, right. Just for extra credit, do you, any of you have an episode that you use to introduce other people to shows that you would want to shout out real quick? Any other show? Ah, oh, that's a wonderful question you've asked there. With Babylon 5, actually, I, I actually know the one I use. I use the Parliament of Dreams. I think that's mm, a really that's great a early episode. I think it's the first B5 episode that's unabashedly fun. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a fun episode, but it still has unique selling points of the series of diplomacy, religion, multiple alien cultures being at the center point of it all Sinclair with his human stuff with his romance but I, it's like a, it's a fun episode like that's the one I always say like if you are watching B5 for the first time and you're going through it and you don't feel like you're at all jiving with the series by something like Parliament of Dreams I could see it being a bit tough for you especially in that first season and then I like episodes that test people, like where are you going to land on believers? Mm. Like those type, yeah. I love those type of episodes. It's like, are you a fan of who monitors the birds from space above and beyond? Are you going to be that person who's like, <laughs> I don't like the boring, quiet episode. I like those type of ones. That's like, are we going to be friends <laughs> if you do not like this episode? And that's it's like I, a knockout question. Yeah, That's a knockout, but yeah, I always think of those. But yeah, those intro ones... I mean, to me too, Red Dwarf's pilot episode is one where it's like, if you don't like Red Dwarf's pilot episode, don't bother. One of the best opening episodes. That's one of its best episodes. like such a tight episode. And so, Do yeah. Do you feel that way about Garth Marenghi's first oh, episode yes. as well? Yeah. If you don't like Garth Marenghi's Dark Places first episode, then don't bother. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> But, uh, Rachel, is there a Gilmore Girls episode that you're like, okay, guys, this is the one that you could, you know, give a little hop on to on the choo-choo train? (laughs) Well, like, the pilot for that is also pretty solid. Like, I definitely don't encourage people to, like, skip ahead to a certain episode. I'm like, do you like the pitch of this episode? If you do, start from the start. With a lot of things, I think of the episodes that are the exception to the rule instead of, like, the show at its peak. It's also sometimes a bit difficult because there are some shows, like, say, with a big legacy or big burden, like, say, a Star Trek or a Babylon 5. Breaking Bad. No, well, yeah, I guess, but, like, ones like this where it's, like, it feels like it's intimidating to mm. crack them open because it's like, well, what happens if I don't like it? And so I think of those ones where it's like, what was the episode for those where I got won over? Like with something like Battlestar Galactica. Like I watched that and I didn't like it when it first aired. And then I came back to it and I'm like, okay, what do I like? And it's like, literally it's like the first episode where Dean Stockwell shows up, I would show that to someone. I'm like, what's <laughs> this episode? It's like, oh, do you mean the season two finale? Yes, that's a good episode. All right. Uh, I always use Girl in the Fireplace to introduce people to Doctor Who. That's a good one. Yeah. It's not the best episode of even that season, but it's a really good episode, and it does a lot to communicate what you can expect from Doctor Who when it's good. It's creepy, too. Yeah. It's got just enough. Did you have one, Laura? I'm just such a... I don't know. I guess I'm just very linear and I have to watch it like from the beginning. I just badger people to watch the whole show. Mm -hmm. Like I just badgered someone into watching The Bear at work 
and I'm very That's proud of myself. Oh, so good. I'm like a couple episodes in right now. Good. Oh, you're going to love it. Okay. You're like the third person to mention that show to me in like two weeks. It's a oh, big one, but to. I'm very much the same. Like, And I feel guilty sometimes because, say, I'm, I love Star Trek, but I feel bad ever recommending it to people because it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, TNG, you're going to have to slog through like well, 40 episodes until you get something <laughs> really good. And it's like, and the, the first season is a racist and sexist and atrocious, yeah. but you know, it will matter later in the most nebulous yeah. way because Tasha Yar. You can't skip yeah. it. And I feel like that with a lot. The only one, the only ones I don't feel like that with Star Trek is the original series. I'm like, that's a solid first season. It's dated, but the, and Voyager's first mm-hmm. season is actually pretty good too. But like, I always feel yeah. that it's like, oh, my big nerdy thing. It's like, oh yeah, Babylon 5. Okay. The first season's a little slow. Yeah. But you'll get there when? I don't know. You'll figure it out. (laughs) Well, why don't you tell us where we can find you, Yum Yum, and plug anything you want to plug? Well, Rachel, I'm looking around my room and your room, and where's Yum Yum at, Rachel? Where do people find it? Is it underneath this cushion here? Is it under? You can find it it in lots of places, but if you want to find the Yum Yum podcast, Ah. you can find us on the various social media websites and apps under Yum Yum Pod or Yum Yum Podcast. We post on there pretty regularly. We like to share some information and trivia points and jokes and memes and stuff. It's a grand old time. We are on all of those podcatchers and podcast sites, including YouTube even. You can find our stuff, Yum Yum Podcast. It's all under that banner. And we are going through Babylon 5, as obviously stated. But we've got a big back catalogue. We've done Star Trek Discovery. That is where the name Yum Yum came from. And if you want more context, which is for kings, by the way, you can just listen to every single episode where we explain where Yum Yum came from and why Discovery is involved and why Academy Award-winning actress Michelle Yeoh is pivotal to the Yum Yum scene. Fun fact, she won her Academy Award Literally, as soon as she stopped doing Discovery. Isn't that... I don't know if there's a correlation between those two things. Something to think about. Something to chew on. But we've done Discovery. We have also been releasing our discussions on Space Above and Beyond, which is a short-lived science fiction series, a one-season wonder. Very much a show that was ahead of the curve and very much one that if you are a fan of science fiction television and you have not seen it, it is worth checking out in its own right because it did a lot of things that some shows like Battlestar Galactica, Firefly, and The Expanse would get to have the ability to pick up and run with later on. And we are going through that. We've been releasing our episodes on that and just really excited to just get more people into watching that show as well. I've I've never had a, a, in my life people until now talk to me about episodes of space above and beyond but hey we're talking about on our show and so that's a reality i have now lived in which is just so special so yeah yum yum podcast we are on the internet under yum yum podcast all right wonderful well we'll be back next week with season four episode 18 intersections in real time sheridan is tortured by a ruthless earth official the mars resistance captures garibaldi for having a run of very detailed yet incorrect episode descriptions on Voodoo. This one is both concise and relatively accurate. So that's nice. The Garibaldi thing doesn't happen in that. It doesn't, damn it. It's all Sheridan, baby. Is it we just, don't leave I thought they, don't they, I thought that was at the, no, Okay. That's the next episode. That's the next episode. Well, then they're still wrong. Cool. They're still wrong. Strike three, Voodoo. Voodoo, get your shit together. I've never used Voodoo, and nor do I want to now that I hear that they get descriptions wrong. (laughs) Incorrect. You need to read the DVD descriptions. That's where you get factual information. Like one episode we read, they they described Londo as haughty. And I got a good chuckle (laughs) out of that. Haughty Malari. And I'm like, that's a great word to describe him as. Haughty. It's accurate yeah that wily old londo was another one too and i'm like yes did garibaldi write this dvd description himself that wily londo well you know who else is wily 
Jeremy Siegel composed our lovely theme music. Thank you, Jeremy, for your contribution Definitely. to our podcast. We truly appreciate it. You can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com and on various streaming services as Nuclear Jaguar. And thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. Aaron, thanks for putting the time in and editing this podcast so that we don't have to. Really appreciate that. And finally, listener, thanks for spending uh, the last 60 or so minutes with the four of us. We really appreciate it. Join our community on Discord. Who are you? B5 at gmail.com. Send us your season four thoughts. We're going to be putting together our season four recap episode in a couple weeks. So as you're listening to this, the timer is ticking close to getting those into us. Thank you. Yeah, please. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.